0: Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. I want to start reading in Luke chapter 15 today from verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son, he didn't wait long, did he? Had the goods and off he went. He packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, "'At home.'" See, he had a picture, he had a memory of what his home looked like. At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. The King James Version says, I will arise. Arise. I will arise and go home to my father. And say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, or in the King James, and he arose. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Verse 31, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. That's the first of our texts. And I want to read now the second text this morning in Luke chapter seven from verse 44. Jesus has been invited to dinner by Simon the Pharisee and he's here at his house. Verse 44, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. You know, the neighborhood that I live in is one of those kinds of neighborhoods that people come and knock on the door. In our neighborhood, people come and there always is perpetual knocking right around dinner time. Usually it's school students who've come with their box of chocolates and a hopeful look on their face. Often they're fundraising for their school sports thing or fundraising for a hall or fundraising for a trip overseas and these little hopeful eager faces turn up in our door constantly. Of recent times, there have been many a door knock right at that crucial dinner time. At the moment, it seems to be a run on power companies coming to my door and knocking. You know, uh, when it was Guy Fawkes or uh, Halloween and there was trick or treating, there was streets laden with little children dressed up coming to our neighborhood. The streets of our suburb were chock-a-block full of these little hopefuls looking for treats, looking for candy. And uh, I had to drop a friend home from a play date and as I drove past uh, my streets and went into their suburb, their suburb, the streets were empty. There were no door knockers in that suburb, but at my suburb, my suburb is the place that people come and knock on the door. I remember one night just recently, I was in the middle of cooking dinner and I had had two knocks at the door. One had been some great need somewhere in the world and one had been a power company yet again. By the time the third knock came, I had had enough. I was over this. I was right at the pinnacle of going to burn that dinner, which John would not be happy to eat if it was burnt. And I was right at the moment of cooking where it was, you know, at the moment you have to focus and sure enough, There was another knock at the door. So this time, with exasperation, with frustration, and perhaps I should say with a hint of anger and annoyance, I opened the door and went, hello? And poor Ben Carroll was at the door. Poor Ben Carroll did not get a warm welcome. He got anything but. He got the anger, he got the frustration. He was trying to sell me power and I have got electricity here, all right? And I looked at him and he had a bag and I'm like, what are you doing here, Ben?" <laughs> He's like looking down, um, um, I'm dropping this off, Brent's staying and I'm like, right, I had completely forgotten that Brent was coming to stay. The bed was not made, the sheets were not ready, the, the dinner was now burning, everything was a disaster. And I had not made Ben feel at all welcome. You know, in our lives, we can feel like this with people, that we want to give a warm welcome, but more often than not, they are left feeling somehow like they are uninvited or excluded or definitely not wanted in our lives. You know, I know that when we have life groups, sometimes John is running late. I am an angel, always there on time the life group can testify to this. As I prepare everything for John to turn up and arrive, I'm harried and rushing around and it's not the welcome that I would want for my life group. You know, I dream of being like those magazines where everything is prepared and, and people walk into your home and you're like, hello, come in. Look at my perfectly manicured table, all ready for you. And, and, you know, instead you're tearing your hair out, you're sweating because you're over the hot stove and you're trying to, dinner's running late in the oven. My poor life group, they see it all. But, you know, how we connect for pe- with people, how we welcome people is a massive, massive thing to Jesus and to God. How do we welcome people? And I know that sometimes in our lives, we might feel like we don't really connect with the people that we need to connect with, that we don't really welcome people in the way that we could. You know, the thing that we know about Jesus is that Jesus compares and evaluates welcomes. Jesus cares about welcomes. He cares very deeply about the welcome that we give. I don't know if you've ever thought about how important a welcome is to Jesus, but he talks about it all through the Gospels. Jesus speaks of welcomes again and again. He compares welcomes, he contrasts welcomes, and he stresses how important a good welcome is. The welcome matters to Jesus and needs to matter to us. You know, there are so many times that Jesus evaluates the welcomes. We have the welcome that Jesus gives the woman at the well. We have Mary and Martha and the different ways that they welcome Jesus when Lazarus has died. We have Jesus sending out His disciples and teaching them how to minister based on the welcome they receive. He talks to them specifically about what they can do based on the inclusive welcome or the rejection that they receive. Jesus speaks of his lack of welcome in his hometown. We've read this passage where the welcome Simon gives is contrasted with the welcome that the sinful woman gives. We have read the lost son story where the father's welcome is contrasted with the lack of welcome that the older brother gives. Throughout the gospels, we see that the welcome matters to Jesus. He talks about it time and time again, and this morning it needs to matter to us. We started with this passage in Luke chapter seven, where Jesus has turned up at the house of Simon. Simon the Pharisee, he has invited him. Jesus is his special invited guest. He's invited him round for dinner. But Jesus speaks about what Simon does not do. He contrasts Simon's bad welcome with the incredible welcome that he receives from the sinful woman. It's interesting, isn't it, that the person who we would least expect to give it is the one that does. You know, Jesus is concerned about this welcome, not because it's a mere social interaction, but because it's a representation of something much deeper. It's a representation of a person's soul and their receptivity to grace. You know, when Jesus entered Simon's house, he got no greeting. He had no kiss on the cheek, as was customary. When he entered his house, there was no water to wash. You know, when they travelled through the hot streets of Jerusalem, as we know, there was donkey dung transport. <laughs> there was poop all over the roads, and people were arriving at homes, and their feet were filthy. So washing was a common courtesy. But Simon did not offer Jesus this courtesy. Nor did Simon anoint the head of Jesus with olive oil. olive oil, a cheap, commonplace oil. Everybody's got olive oil. Everybody's got a glass of water. Everybody had this. And in the hot climate that they lived in, oil was put on the head of a traveler to refresh them and to help with the effects of the hot sun. Simon does not even give a commonplace courtesy of olive oil. Jesus notes and condemns the absence of this greeting, but he compares it with the person who does give it. He compares it with the sinful woman. She, the sinful woman, washes his feet with her tears and wipes his feet with her hair. She kisses his feet. She doesn't presume to kiss his cheek as Simon should have. She doesn't presume that honour. She instead kisses his feet. Then she anoints his feet, not with olive oil, but with a rare and costly perfume. You see, the welcome that she gives to Jesus was expensive and costly. It was full of humility and full of honour. As we see her do this welcome, she displayed a beautiful welcome and Jesus is highlighting it for us. He is evaluating this welcome. He is contrasting this welcome. He is comparing this welcome and He is rejecting one welcome and receiving the other welcome. She understood this woman how much she had been forgiven. And because she understood the grace that she had received, she was able to graciously welcome everything of who Christ was to her. The religious leader, Simon, he did not understand the grace that he could receive. He did not understand what was present in his home. And therefore, he did not receive anything from Jesus being in his home. You know, this comparison shows us that our ability to welcome is a reflection of our own revelation, our own revelation that we have had of grace, the grace that we have received compels us to welcome others. You know, I want to encourage us all, as John spoke of at the start of this message, that next Sunday— Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and it is going to be an incredible moment for us as a church. It is going to be a significant moment, and as a church, we must know the season we are in. As here in, in Wellington, we multiply into the city and into the Heart Valley campus, we recognize that never has a welcome been more important. Never has our understanding of this been of greater need? You know, next Sunday in array, Hamilton, Christchurch, Dunedin, Kapiti, in every campus up and down this country, we are going to be hosting people. We are going to be hosting those yet to receive the grace of Jesus. But the first way they receive the grace is in the welcome that we give because we are the carriers of this grace. There are three things that I want us to understand this morning that we must grasp hold of to understand the nature of this welcome. The first thing is this, the right welcome brings blessing. The right welcome brings blessing. In Luke 7.50, Jesus said to this sinful woman, "'Your faith has saved you. Go in peace.'" You see, this woman, she doesn't just have an encounter with Jesus and stay the same. She welcomes Jesus and everything of Jesus changes everything about her. The way that she welcomes Him changes her life. She is blessed. She welcomes all of Jesus and then her life is transformed. She receives blessing. She is forgiven of all sins. She walks into salvation. And He says, go in peace. Go in peace. He blesses her. He gives a peace that the world cannot give. Because of her welcome of Christ, she knows a peace that cannot be taken away. But we see that Simon, he receives nothing because he did not welcome Jesus. He did not welcome Him and so he received nothing, even though he had hosted the presence of God. Even though Simon was hosting Jesus in his home, the very presence of God was in his home, he receives no blessing. Today we need to understand we can welcome the work of God in our lives. We can receive this blessing. We welcome Christ and then we welcome others with the same revelation of the welcome that we have received. The right welcome will bring blessing. You know, we see that Jesus sent out his disciples and he said in Luke 10, 8, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Isn't that amazing? If the disciples, if the ministry of Jesus was received in a town, miracles could happen. Breakthrough could happen. Change could happen. The whole atmosphere of a town would change because the right people can bring the right environment. And we see that if people were welcoming to what God wanted to do, they would receive blessing. But he goes on. Jesus says, "This if a town refuses to welcome you, go into its streets and say, 'We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet, to show that we have abandoned you to your fate.' And know this: the kingdom of God is near. See, Jesus is saying here that our welcome of what God wants to do empowers blessing and releases miracles." What we need to understand is we have the ability to welcome Jesus. We are on the brink of this new season. As we step over into this next week, this next moment of Easter, the way that we welcome what God is wanting to do will release the right blessing in our lives. Let's not be like Simon who hosted the presence of God and yet walks away with nothing. Let's be like the woman who recognised the grace she had received and welcomed all of God because of that, amen, amen. I want us to know that the Kingdom of God is near and it waits to be welcomed. The second thing this morning that we need to know is the right welcome welcomes a miracle. In John chapter 11, verse 20, we read this passage. It says, When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet Him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? See, Martha gets word, her brother has died. Lazarus is dead. He is in the tomb. He is dead and buried. It's been three days. There is a smell, the seal is closed, that stone is over the tomb, Lazarus is gone. But Martha goes out to welcome Jesus. See, even though she should have had no hope, even though her story was over, She understood that she could still welcome what God was gonna do into her life. The right welcome could bring a transformation. The right welcome could bring a miracle. She goes out to meet Him. And here we have again another comparison, another contrast of a welcome where Martha goes out to meet Him, but Mary stays in the house. I don't know about you, but I feel good that this time Martha got it right. Go, Martha! Finally, it's your breakthrough moment. Martha got it right. Hallelujah. Martha went out to meet Him. You see, our welcome can be the start of new beginnings in our life. She goes out to meet Him, and this coming out to meet Him was important. She honoured Jesus, and she created a welcome for Jesus where He could then do anything in her life. Her welcome opened the way for a miracle. You see, then the way that she welcomes Him is she puts out a statement of faith. Even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask for Jesus. She says a statement of faith to Jesus, even as she comes out to welcome Him. What else do we notice? We notice that He says to her, I am the resurrection, the way, and the life. He gives her this declaration of who He is because she went out to welcome Him. It's to Martha that hears those words. It's to Martha that the words of eternity are spoken. I am the resurrection and the life. Imagine being the first person to hear Jesus Christ say those words. She went out to welcome Him and she heard this declaration of His majesty, of His power and of His capacity to change a life. You know, Martha meets Jesus and welcomes Him outside the village. She waited on the roadway I want us all to be aware, Arise, that we can go out to the roadway. We can go out to the roadway and welcome a miracle. We can be the welcomers on the roadways of our schools, of our businesses, of our community centres. Everywhere that we are sent is our roadway. And on the roadway of our lives, we can be a welcomer of the miracle that Jesus wants to do. She was ready, she was waiting, and she changed something because she went to the roadway. Martha went out, Mary did not. But because of the welcome that Martha gave, there was a great miracle. Because of the welcome that Martha gave, Lazarus is raised back to life because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said it to Martha. And because she was there to welcome the words He said, a miracle took place. I wanna encourage us all that we can be going out to the roadway. We can create a roadway for miracles in our lives. We can see God do something that we've never seen before. We are to make straight the path. See, Isaiah 62 says your sons and your daughters will be carried from afar. We are to clear away the path, Isaiah 61. Remove the stones, remove the boulders, make a straight path that my captives may come home. I want us to know this is what we are doing when we hand out the invitation, when we extend the invitation, it's handing out life. It's handing out the word of hope. It's handing out the word of truth. It's bringing the light of the gospel into the darkness of the night. When we extend this welcome to the lost and to the needy, we reflect the heart of Jesus to every broken soul who needs to come home. You know, a little while ago, and I was actually writing this message and I encou- had a whole lot of encounters. I have time to tell you them all. They were truly miraculous along the roadway of my life. And I, I went on Facebook Messenger, which I never do really, because it gets a bit confusing. And I went on to Facebook Messenger and I'd reached out to an old school friend from many years ago and the relationship had been broken and it needed restoration. And I had asked to be her friend. Please be my friend <laughs> on Facebook. And um, I was at home uh, doing some message stuff and I heard a ding and I never hear the ding, so that in itself was a miracle. And she had texted me back through Facebook and said, hey, how's it going? It's great to hear from you. What are you up to? And so we started to chat and I said, I want you to forgive me for this thing that I did. I made a mistake and she said, don't worry, it's in the past, forget about it. And she's counseling me, move on, the past is gone. I'm like, yes, (laughs) she doesn't know Jesus yet. And so, and then she went on to share some tragic things that had happened in her life and then I was able to give her some love and support back. But you know what? It was a miracle of reconciliation and restoration and it happened on a roadway in my life. As the same day, I had another message from a girl because when I was a teacher, I used to share Jesus everywhere I could. And I would share about Jesus Christ. And this girl says to me, I want you to know that I'm now leading in my church and speaking in my church. And I want you to know that it was because of you that I found Jesus. And I'm not saying that because that's great about me. I'm saying it because you know what? I was on her roadway. I was simply on the roadway. I welcomed her to know Jesus Christ. You know, we might think that what we're saying and what we're doing, is having no impact, but I want, to, want you to know that because of the love and the grace that we've received, if we pass it on, if we share that welcome, then we are creating a miracle on the roadways of our lives. The third thing that we need to know this morning is that the right welcome transcends limitations and produces transformation. You see, this is the, how we see this is in the woman at the well, the welcome that Jesus gives this woman, this woman who, did, who would not have had it from anybody else. She was an outcast. She was a reject. She was despised. She was looked down on. She was seen as society's least. And yet this woman gets an unconventional, an unexpected welcome full of love and grace from our King of Kings, Jesus He goes beyond social norms, beyond barriers, beyond limitations. He goes beyond every constraint. He speaks to this woman and He blows her mind. The fact, the very fact that He even speaks to her is the beginning of the miracle. But it continues because our King of Christ welcomes every person. He treats her not as a mistake, as a sinful person, as a broken person, but as someone worthy of love and respect. I want us to know this morning that this woman at the well, she's all of us. She's all of us. We've all been like her, far away from the grace of God, lost in our sins, broken in our disgrace. We've all known that we've made mistakes, but Jesus extends that same welcome to us that he extended to her. He's extended it to us again and again, and he wants us to extend it also to others. To this woman at the well, Not only does he welcome her, he breaks every box of her life because do you know what he does? He declares who he is to her. He doesn't say it to Nicodemus who he had just met with previously. He doesn't say it to any of the religious leaders. He doesn't even say it to his disciples. The person that he first declares who he is to is to this woman. It's me and you this woman, this person lost in their mistakes. And He says to her, I am the Messiah. I am your solution. I am your answer. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the way to the Father, the one you've been looking for, I am He. She, he opens her eyes to who He is and His welcome is one of beauty, love and revelation. The welcome Jesus gives her transforms her. We see that she changes. She immediately runs back and talks to the people that she had been avoiding. She was at the well at this time of day because she didn't want to see anybody. But when Jesus catches hold of her breaking limitations, she receives transformation. She's changed. She rushes back and tells every person what Jesus has done in her life. My friends, when Jesus changes us, we have to go beyond the social norms, the limitations and the barriers. We are to tell every person, every living, breathing person, that Jesus Christ is the answer, that Jesus Christ is the way. Philippians 2:15 says, "Carry the light-giving message into the night. We hold out the word of life." You know when we receive this message, we become the bearers of the message, and that's what happened for this woman. If the band could come and join me, you know, as a church, we are to have a generous welcome. As a people, we are to have a generous welcome. As Christians, we are to have a generous welcome. Jesus cares about the welcome. He cares about it so intensely that He spends one whole passage, and I'm gonna be bringing this to a close this morning, but we read this passage at the start this morning about the prodigal son. The prodigal son who was in the pig pen eating the pig's food, and he suddenly comes to his senses because he had a picture of what home should be like. I want you all to know that why do we have invitations? Why do we have an Easter flyer? Why do we have a Facebook invite? Or why do we have these things? Because people need a picture of what home is like. Some people have never been. Maybe you're online and you haven't yet come and joined us. We're so excited that you're joining us online. Someday we wanna welcome you and hug you and hold you. In this this, the rooms, the rooms, the different rooms up and down the country where we gather as a church family. But I want us all to know this morning that this prodigal. He comes home because he had a picture. He remembers what home looked like. So we don't spend money in vain on those things. We're putting a picture of what a home looks like before people. You know, we see that the Father's welcome shows how important it is in this passage. We have Luke chapter 15 verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He was a long way off. He'd been gone for a long time. But we see here that we don't wear out the Father's welcome. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've been, what's happened in our lives, we can never wear out the patience of God. You know, God's patience is infinite and limitless. And we need that same patience with the people in our lives, that our welcome would also have patience to it, kindness to it. It wouldn't run out. Verse 22, his father says to his servant, so the son's like, I've sinned, I've sinned. He's saying his whole, he's got a speech ready. The son has turned up. He's got his repentance speech ready. The father, he doesn't even wanna hear it. He doesn't wanna listen to the repaired repentance speech. He doesn't care about that. The return is enough. The fact that you've turned up and come home, that's all I care about, that shows me. That shows me you're turning your life around because you're simply turned up. That's all I need. The Father says, quick, bring the robe. There is no delay. There is no delay in the Father's embrace. Imagine church, we could be like this when someone arrives in our midst. Hey, come on, come in quick. Hey, we're so happy that you're here. Oh, we're so excited that you're here. You know, we are representations, carriers of this grace. Jesus wants us to understand the importance of this welcome. Quick, bring the robe. There's no delay to integration in the family. They're not standing off in an awkward silence, not standing in the foyer on their phone alone, but embraced, brought close, brought into the action. Everything is laid out for them. The Father says, put it on Him, put the robe on Him, put the robe on Him. See, the Son doesn't have to put the robe on Himself. Sometimes when people come home after they've been gone for a while, they don't really know how everything works and how it all fits. The robe didn't, he didn't have to figure out how to fit the robe on, it was fitted on him. And it was put on him, he was served, the right welcome is a welcome that is servant-hearted, that blesses, that gives. Get a ring for His finger, sandals for His feet. Here we see that the Father says, you have value to me. I'm gonna show that value by putting a ring on you. This is a symbol of something precious, it's a symbol of commitment, it's a symbol of value. You have value to me, I'm putting this value on you. I'm showing everybody that you are precious to me. He says, Yep, yeah, I'm stamping you right now. I want people to know that you look valuable because you are valuable. Put sandals on his feet straight away. That speaks of restoration. Immediately the son's feet are fitted with readiness because sandals in the Gospel are always the readiness to go and share the good news. So He is not only received, He is immediately sent, immediately sent, immediately said, you are good enough to go again. We believe in you, we're commissioning you. You're, You're my son and you're gonna be received and you're gonna be sent, this son of mine. Kill the calf, the Father says. We must celebrate with a feast. He came home and He was celebrated. There was a party, there was storytelling, there was feasting, there was dancing. They were having fun, they were celebrating in such largesse, in such a great manner. There was no expense spared, there was no lack of joy. It wasn't put on, it was natural. It overflowed out of the joy of the Father that the Son had come home. Imagine if we could throw that kind of celebration Next Sunday, we just might. We might just put on a whole lot of hot cross buns. We might just put on some tea and coffee. We might do the best party we can. Hang out in the foyer, not rush away. Stay and greet, stay and greet, stay and say, You made the effort to come. We're here, we care, we love You. We're placing value on You. You're precious to us. We're gonna serve You. We're gonna put the robe on You. We're gonna put the sandals on You. You see the father said something very important to the son he says this son of mine has come home from the minute the son came home his identity was restored his identity was revealed you see it wasn't a process of cleaning up his past his past was gone the old was gone the new had come this son identity was given i want you to know that when the lost come home We don't, God doesn't see them as in need. It's like a transformation takes place because when we receive His grace, it overflows and changes every part of us. And this Son, His identity is completely restored and who the Father says He is, is revealed. You know, imagine if we gave voice to the welcome in that way. We said, you matter. It's so great to see you. God has got a future for you. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a blessing in store for you. The best is yet to come. These are the words that we speak at the heart of the Father over every person who comes. The Son had returned to life and He was brought to the table. One last thing, the older brother, oh, that sad older brother, that sad older brother who couldn't welcome back the son. I'm afraid today that the older brother speaks of us who have been in church for a long time. I'm afraid today the older brother speaks of us who have become blasé about the Father's grace have become somewhat blasé about the Father's house and don't recognise that when someone returns, it's a moment of celebration. This older brother, he felt unthanked. He was offended because he felt overlooked. Nobody celebrates me, nobody thanks me. The older brother was doing what he was meant to be doing. He was caring for the field. He was doing what needed to be done. We can all be doing what needs to be done. If the older brother hadn't been doing his duties, there would have been no home for the son to return to. But the older brother had lost sight of the reason why. Let's not in our service for God and in our service for the church and in what we do lose sight of the reason why that it's all about that the lost would come home, that the lost would be restored, that the Son would be welcomed. I love that the Father comes out to Him and even in His ungenerous attitude, the Father says, dear Son, dear Son. You see, we never reduce our importance by somebody else's arrival. We never reduce our place. We are not. At, we are not detracted from when somebody else arrives. We are added to. When we embrace, we increase. We don't decrease. And the sun had lost sight of that. Come on, this morning, maybe in this room, we need to understand. We have to get our welcome. And we have to grow our welcome. We have to understand that the welcome mattered to Jesus. It matters to Jesus. And may it matter this morning to us. I'm about to close. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna release every campus back to their location pastors. But I really believe, Arise, that we're in a moment where God is speaking to us as a church, that we could present a great welcome. Would you all stand to your feet this morning with me? I wanna pray this morning that we would have the right welcome. Jesus, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You that You show us welcomes matter, welcomes matter. And Jesus, we're so grateful that You've welcomed us. This morning, Jesus, we pray that You would give us the grace to show this welcome everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we would be carriers of the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.